sometimes friendships end. And sometimes it ends in like this fiery explosion of anger and hurt and betrayal and misunderstanding and disappointment. And other times these friendships might just end because life dictates different paths. People move on, things change. In either case, the pain left in its place must be dealt with. It has to be recognized. This is the Heath in Pursuit podcast with Heath Hollinsby. Each week we'll have a conversation with various folks who are actively engaged in the pursuit of truth. This is a show where anything can be discussed and probably will. A podcast for the seekers, the dreamers, the restless, the hurt and the broken. This is a podcast for you. Welcome to Heath in Pursuit. Hello, my friends. It's another edition of the Heath in Pursuit podcast. As promised, I'm trying to do it every week right now, and it's a lot of work, but I want to keep my word because I tried to uh, be an integrous sort of creature. And I got to tell you, I had an amazing experience yesterday at Costco, which is not ever put in the same sentence. <laughs> Usually it's like, uh, Costco. It's the worst. The lines, the people, the crowds. It's just rough. But yesterday I was walking and I was getting cheese and I looked over to the frozen section and I saw something I've never seen. It was a display of beautifully presented eggnog. And I just, ah, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's not even October 1st. And they already got Christmas eggnog out and I am in heaven because there is nothing like the taste of eggnog for the first time each season. It's, it should be ceremonial, actually. There should be an eggnog drinking ceremony, like that expectation, and then it hits your mouth. And it's like that old familiar friend is back. Yeah, that's right. So I know some of you guys are not eggnog fans, and I don't know what to do about that, actually, other than disown you. But I forgive you and we will move on because it's not worth losing friendship over. And that is incidentally what we're talking about to do, losing friendships. I'm calling this one grieving the loss of the living when your friends move on without you. And I want to talk to you today about friendships and grieving the loss of friendships. And I want to start with two stories of friend groups that were super close to me. And now they're gone. And one... One's a little bit harder than the other because one you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into this, but I'm going to tell you um, two stories that are true and I'm going to withhold some names because I don't want to throw anyone under buses. And like, I just want to say starting this thing, I'm sure that I've been a terrible friend to people too. And so I don't want this to come across like the victim podcast where he's just grieving loss of friendships. But I had a conversation at lunch last week with a good friend of mine and the friendship's just been weird. And the the they're going to be part of this this group I'm going to talk about here in a second. But it just made me think, man, I need to just talk about this. And maybe this is just a podcast for myself. Maybe no one else has experienced this. But I thought it would be really important to talk about the loss of friendships. And so the first set of friends I'm going to talk about, again, withholding names to honor them, even though I don't think they listen to anything I do anymore. Um so we live in this little town outside of Tacoma called Fircrest, and we moved into a neighborhood to be really intentional with bringing 
light and positivity and goodness to our neighborhood. And so we and a couple friends moved into this one city block. And after a long series of events and a couple years, it came to the point where they told us, like, we're not really interested in having friendship. We actually don't have time for you. And we don't feel like it's a priority we want to make because they had another neighbor that they were trying to, like, win over to Christ for some interesting thing. Like, they couldn't keep two friendships at the same time. And so things started to fall apart. There was a bad situation. And the hard thing with that is that we share a backyard with them still. And so we have, like, what were our best friends for years that we're no longer in touch with because we've been told they don't have a desire to be in touch with us. And so now it's been a few years where you'll literally see each other mowing the backyard and pretend like the other's not there just because it's all effed up at this point. And, um, and so that's, that's a hard relationship. Um, and it's maybe that constant reminder or the pretending that they're, you know, they're there or they're not there, that we see them and it feels like just weird. And so that friendship's particularly hard because it's people that we cared about at one point that we were in daily conversation with and then it's gone and we still see them and it's acted like we've never ever met and that's weird and it makes it really complicated on children and spouses and neighborhood activities and what happens when the backyard collapses and or the fence collapses and we have to figure it out and restore something that wasn't there i don't know it's just a weird situation that's one set of friendships the other is another group it was another community that we really 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 loved and um i don't know what happened and there was four families and we were really close and we were on group texts and then all of a sudden we start seeing photos of the other three families doing things without us and there was never like a hey we hate you guys or we're confused or do you guys want to be involved there's nothing like that it was just we were kind of removed from that friendship circle and um and that's tough too you know it's hard being on social media seeing friendships moving on without you with no like like no hmm like no concise explanation as to what happened you're just kind of there and then it's not and everyone's moved on without you and no one's called back to like throw out a, a lifeline and so it's just kind of weird Okay, two friendships that are, kind of, I mean, those will set up where we're going today. And I remember, I don't know, about a year ago, my grandma died. And my grandpa died a few years before that. And they saved his ashes because they wanted to mix the two, husband and wife, and then release them into the San Diego uh, Harbor together. And I wasn't able to make it because it was a COVID funeral which is weird and they're on a boat and it's really windy and I remember seeing them dump these ashes into the water and it was so windy that the ashes I don't even think hit the water it was a video that I watched my stepdad was like hey check out the video you know it's beautiful but I just remember thinking that all these it's life isn't it it's a season of life that You've got two people that created memories and made families and had careers and had dreams and aspirations and failures and insecurities and got sick while the other took care of them. And 
all there's left is the memories and then these ashes that were just blown away in the wind. And ne'er shall the two meet again. And as soon as I was watching that video, I thought, man, this is what friendships have been like for me. Like statistically, this seems to be the common trait. Maybe I'm a bad friend. I know I've been a bad friend. But maybe, you know, maybe this is where life ends. Maybe there's nothing to grab onto for that long because it's all going to fall apart and dissipate. Um, and maybe that's just a season of life. Maybe we're not meant to go long-term for in relationship with people. I remember there's this one old rabbinic story um, where there's a legendary miracle worker named Honey, the circle maker, and he awoke from 70 years of sleep. And he faced really um, deep despair because he was shunned by a new generation of scholars who never recognized him or attended to him. So you have this scholar that falls asleep for 70 years, again, story, fictitious story, to wake up and find out that his position and his authority and everything that made him a respectable teacher was not recognized by those who are now running the world. And in his suffering in this story, Honey prays for death to release him from loneliness because he knows that to be dead is easier than being lonely. And this prompted an unarmed sage to utter either friendship or death. Now, in the Jewish context, friendship is clearly more than a social connection, right? Friends offer each other for help, for protection, for unselfish love, for moral guidance, for loyalty, and for support. And in Jewish culture, Judaism defines friendship as one of the primary relationships in life, a tie at times exceeding that which, which bonds blood relatives together. And I would say, like, that even transcends the Jewish perspective. It's not just the Jews that, that believe that. It's, yeah, like, friendship. That goes deep. Good friends go real deep. Deeper than blood at times. In the ancient text of Ecclesiastes, there's a verse that says, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. And now the original context here is not about like a husband and wife relationship. It's not about best friends. It's actually about travelers. Because nights in Palestine, they're cold, especially in the winter. And a lone traveler would sleep close to his donkey for warmth. Like, respectable man, except for nighttime when you're cuddled up with your donkey because it's so damn cold. Um, and I wonder if this is one of the reasons that Jesus actually sent out his disciples in pairs. Because nothing is more pitiful than being a completely isolated human being. Not having somebody to weather the storms of life with. And that, that last part of Ecclesiastes, just man, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Do you ever feel like you have no one to help you up? Because I sure do. Like the people that you would hope would be there, the people that you would naturally count on just aren't there. I wonder if like maybe through this COVID world, we're all, we're all experiencing a sense of that these days. Like, yeah, we don't know what relationships look like anymore. We don't know what the 
commonality of friendships looks like. We don't know what the terms of social engagement really are anymore. Like we've, we used to have a grip on it. We used to have a handle. And now it's like, what's it like to talk to one another? We're all becoming more like introverted. Like even I used to go out all the time. And somehow, uh, even yesterday, I had two different meetings that were almost scheduled at the same time. And I had to call and cancel one because I just can't see more than one person a day. It exhausts me. Like it's changed my psyche. Thanks, COVID. <laughs> um, so, so friendships, it's difficult because it's always hard to look back at the good old days and have a false hope. Like that it's ever going to go back to that. Like sometimes the hardest part of the reality of a broken friendship is just going, that was a season. And the new season's coming, and we don't know what that's going to look like. But those good old days, that person that was my ride or die, that person that was my bestie that I had to share experiences with, they're essentially gone. And that's dark. Friendships break up for a bunch of different reasons, right? Um, And the reason that breakups suck are really specific to people, like to probably you and your particular situation. And you have to remember, like, what happened? Why? What did that friendship mean to you? It probably raises up insecurities, like how you feel about yourself or your friends, the people you choose as friends, maybe people, general humanity. These are all questions that we have to answer because the loss of a friendship is a loss that is deserving of being grieved. And so it's important to take time to process what happened, some of those questions. From a psychological perspective, looking at the issue more broadly, one of the main reasons that friendship loss is so difficult is because it's an ambiguous loss. Yeah, I feel that. An ambiguous loss is when you're grieving a person who's still alive because you haven't made sense, like you haven't connected the dots. It's easier to grieve or make sense of somebody who's gone and is not coming back. But ambiguous in this context is just bizarre. I read this quote the other day that said, ambiguous loss happens when you're grieving someone who's still living. It's different than grief you experience when someone you love dies. That kind of loss is finite. It's certain. And there's no question you should feel pain. But ambiguous loss happens when something or someone profoundly changes or disappears. And a person feels torn between hope that things will return to normal and then also torn with this looming sense that life as they know it is fading away, like a Polaroid developing in reverse. Yeah. And I think one reason we have hard times labeling our experiences as loss or griefs could be because we're used to associating that sort of stuff with death. Like, of course, with death, you would experience loss or grief. But it could also be because we might feel so hurt or abandoned or angry that we want to hide that grief and say, well, this is no loss to me. Pretend like nothing happens. But if the relationship actually mattered to you, then you're grieving something when it's gone. Whether that might be the person, the group of people, the expectations of what you thought that person was, your entire faith in humanity, there's loss all right. And where there's loss, there's always grief. You might also be struggling with like some unanswered questions. That makes it tough too. 
at least with death, oftentimes, like, you know, someone's on the deathbed, you, you can make things right. You hear stories all the time of like, well, I just wanted my dad to know this before he passed and I was able to communicate it. And then they passed on and it feels like a closure. Well, this is amb- this ambiguous loss doesn't allow for that. It's this open-ended doorway that we can never go back through. And the reality is that as sad as it might be, people are going to come and go from our lives. And why does friendship have to be forever to make it actually worthwhile? And why does the end get to override all the good stuff at the beginning and the middle? Because that's something I've thought about a lot. Like I've spent more time focusing on the loss of my friendships than the beauty that was extracted from them while we were in them. Yeah. I get that sometimes the end feels so agrarious and revealing that it changes how we view everything. Because I've had friendships like that. I also get that some people hold on to anger and pain as a warning not to make the same mistakes again. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've said, no, I'm going to be calloused because that actually keeps me safe. I'm going to be calloused and I'm going to be reserved because every time I pour myself out and expose myself and try to be vulnerable, it gets taken advantage of or misabused or, or, uh, you know, destroyed intentionally. Like, Maybe it's easier just to be calloused and just to keep it all internally. Yeah. I think it's possible, though, to hope that in the future, when we feel less burned, less vulnerable, that we can actually have a healthy relationship view of what happened. It's something that was good for a little while, and then it ended. And if not that, maybe it was something that was bad, but that we learned from. Like, there's always a process of being able to take something away from that which is lost. And so I think it's time to take process, time to process what we've been through. The uncertainty of lost friendships also create great stress because the nature of these losses is that because of that uncertainty, when a person's gone, but not for sure, things, uncl- things like get really unclear. It's unclear if or when the person will return, leaving those grieving really confused and sometimes even consumed by the loss because the safety of the missing person is frequently unknown right this leaves like the grieving process to be like oscillating between moments of hope and moments of feeling complete hopelessness and this ongoing uncertainty shows that this can actually present resolution of the loss and it actually freezes the grief process paralyzing uh, friendships couples uh, functioning families but we got to remember that with all grief, there are no universals. And the risk, there's always a risk to lost friendships, isn't there? Risks are increased because it becomes harder to use some of the coping strategies that, that would work in like grieving death-related losses. Because it, like I said, that's easy. It's easy to make sense of the, of the finite. It's easy to make sense of that which is tangible. I'm sitting here looking at a body that is not moving, that is gone. That's easier to process than this person still lives in my neighborhood and I can't reach out to him. Or that's an unwelcome uh, like pursuit at this point. People don't know often how to acknowledge grief. And so you get this uncertainty, it increases the likelihood for hypervigilance, you know, where your senses are, are oversensitive, anxiety, anxious attachment, and symptoms of depression. 
And when you have this ambiguous loss, like every time the phone rings, you startle thinking that on some level, it could be news about your, your loved one. It could be news of your, it could be your friend calling. It could be somebody who's heard about what happened in the friendship. You might not be able to focus because you're fixated on, on people's safety. Yeah. Maybe part of this is reconsidering mastery. Like we often want answers and clarity, but it serves us to remember that sometimes there are no answers. And that's hard to sit with because the world is not always fair. The world is not always just. There is a thing that is universal called suffering. And the temptation to blame either others or ourselves so that we can create a sense of certainty is often inaccurate and it doesn't help us to cope. So there's a sadness over the end of a friendship with someone that you're used to turning to in times of confusion, celebration, crisis. And that sadness is a natural emotion that needs to be dealt with in a constructive way. Yet friendships play a vital role in our life. Um, And it starts early on in our life, right? In childhood. Friendships uh, are typically people that have common hobbies or interests. We're at the playground. You want to swing? I want to swing. We're friends. I want to build a sandcastle. You want to build a sandcastle. We're friends. I want to play soccer. I want to play ponies. We're going to go different directions, right? There's this very primitive, basic, common interest bonding that happens as children. Adolescence, friendships tend to deepen as we connect with people who we feel comfortable telling our thoughts and our secrets. And then I think when we become adults, friendships become even more sacred. There's a depth to them. There's an invitation into the secret places of who we are that we allow people to move into and we trust them. So what happens when that person you trust, you see, but the relationship broken? Mm. It's a little disillusioning, isn't it? See, a friendship's a mutual relationship of trust, of support and affection between two people. And it becomes increasingly important for our health and happiness. Like that's why people die from not having friends, like literally die from being out of communication with one another. And I think there's a couple different kind of innings. There was actually a study that happened called, uh, it was put out by WebMD, so it's not, a, it's not a super technical journal sort of survey. But they, they polled many people that have experienced grief or a grief event in the past three years. And they talked about the, the emotion they felt in the loss of a friendship or a relationship versus the death of a loved one. And across the board, except for just a few emotions, the loss of a friendship was significantly more felt than the death of a loved one. Like with depression, the loss of a relationship, 53% of people felt depressed. Death of a loved one, 41%. Anger, 48% of people felt anger in the loss of a friendship, whereas only 29 did in the death of a loved one. Isn't that crazy? Intense sorrow, pain, and thoughts about the loss? Yeah. Guilt or self-blame in a loss of a friendship? 36% of people versus 17% of people in the death of a loved one. Bitterness about your loss? 41% felt that in the loss of a friendship only 16% in the death of a loved one. 
a lack of trust in others, isolated themselves from others, and withdrawing from social activities, 53% after the loss of a friendship, only 17% after the death of a loved one. It's almost like these people are saying the friendship loss is worse than the physical loss. And there are different kinds of endings, right? Um, yeah, when we meet people at a certain stage or a particular place in time, or maybe our kids are the same ages, or perhaps we get along as couples, or our spouses are in the same industry, or we live near each other, it just works out because the fit's right. It's not hard. You might have to let a couple things go early on or overlook little issues, things that might cause little cracks. Um, convenience and our comfort actually makes for an easy blindfold. But it's really easy to overlook small conflicts when you find somebody you think will fit into a big picture. Especially when you're a young parent or you're new to a place or you're going through life changes and you're actually hoping to find a tribe. But as those mature over time, as these things shift and they change, some of these friendships just won't hold up. And if it's a mutual break, both parties are able to see that these situations have changed. And that's easier to accept and to move on. Like, yeah, hey, life just got busy. Yeah, same for us. Take care. I have plenty of those. Though every end has kind of some unique bumps for sure, right? But then there are endings that are really painfully one-sided. Like one party changes or one person's no longer interested one couple's no longer invested, or two people send, seem to drift apart, and the ending starts to feel a bit unbalanced. It's never easy. Like, I've been on both sides of that equation. It's never easy. It's never fun. And if you're being left behind, it's really hard not to wonder what you could have done differently or how to mend things. It's hard not to feel injured or defensive, because I've been there. I've done that, right? If you're the one moving on, it might feel like the right step, but it's not necessarily pain-free. Like, it's easy to feel guilt and torn despite the, your convictions that the friendship isn't right there for you. But yeah, and then where it gets even weirder is when you actually share friends. That's harder. Because there's often like this inevitable awkwardness socially for both parties, right? Mutual friends might feel torn. You run into each other everywhere. And if you feel like you're in a sticky mess all around, right? That's That's one thing. But... Like with the second group of people I was talking about, like I introduced a lot of the couples in that group or not a lot, but you know, I introduced one couple to the rest of them and like to be felt like, yeah, thanks for the introduction. See ya. Like that's, ooh, that's really hard. In my mind, the hardest end of friendships when things just get screwed up and there's no turning back. There's, you know, there's difficult situations, there's hurt feelings, there's painful moves that lead to two seemingly close friends to separate. It's kind of like a death. Things don't always go the way we want, for sure. And not all fractures mend. And when you've done everything that you know how to do, you've tried everything, when I'm sorry and apologizing doesn't work, when the wounds are too deep, like it might be time to cut ties and let go. And most of us have been there, and it sucks, and it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. But life's this complex rhythm of seasons and one person's expectations or hopes for a relationship doesn't always gel with another's and relationships that once seemed like indestructible that I used to hang my hat on they fell apart and that's a hard pill to swallow like I choked on that pill trust me and I think you just got to come to an awareness sometimes that you just got to swallow the pill 
gulp it down, move on. The end of a close friendship is actually like like a death. And there's mourning to be done. And it's one thing to mourn somebody who's truly gone, right? And then it's more it's it's another to mourn someone you still run into who pops up on your Facebook, whose kids still ask about, people you think about often. They're not really gone, but the friendship's dead. And that grieving process feels weird and twisted and surreal. And letting go is, is a lot more challenging when you're constantly getting notifications on Facebook about what they're up to. Yeah, that's one of the hardest things, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, Still having that in your face. Time does heal wounds. Like, I believe that. But also know that the loss of important friendship can take a lot more time than any of us want. But we'll heal. Because there's new friendships that are born. New things are fostered. Through our moves, through our life changes. Yeah, there's new relationships to be had. And maybe maybe the key is to be open to them. Because it's really easy to hold people at distance when you feel like your life is just the way it should be. Or... I don't want to disrupt what's happening because the risk of, of maybe missing out on a new rich relationship might be the way to, might be the thing that disrupts it. It's also easy to keep your head down, especially when you're feeling lost. Sometimes there's that special thing or that person right in front of you that you didn't notice because you're trying to hang on to relationships in the past, trying to hang on to relationships that aren't working anymore. And it's healing to learn from that loss. It's healing to learn that from that come rich new experiences. Friendships are beautiful. They deeply impact the way we see ourselves in the world. And to lose a friend, whether it be through hurt feelings or simply the passing of time, is to suffer a great, great loss. It's good to grieve these friendships and to pay homage to the impact that they left in your life, but to hang on to them for prolonged experience of time. Yeah, maybe that's where we start getting into a little bit of trouble. And like, we know no relationship's perfect, right? Even our closest, best friends forever bonds. Like, we got the tattoos, we got the matching necklaces. Yeah, those break. They fall apart. It could be somebody saying the wrong thing be them uh, lacking the follow-through on an important commitment. It could be them fading away. We don't get to control always what goes wrong in our friendships, but we can determine how the breakup or the makeup affects us emotionally. Because there's this beautiful thing too, like we know it's there's those friendships that fall apart and then there's the beauty of friendships. There's this magical mysticalness to friendships that doesn't make sense. Like I was talking to a buddy this morning and we haven't talked in almost a year. And uh, we get on the phone within five minutes. It's back to normal, like nothing. I wouldn't even say five minutes. It was like, I called him. Didn't think he'd have time for me because busy dude. And right away it's like, Heath, how are you doing, man? And we jumped straight into it. Yeah, so there's this cool thing that happens in relationships. There's this, there's a, like, we should celebrate those wins at times. Those times where you drop into the same rhythm, you finish each other's sentences, you feel completely understood. We might even consider some friends family because we've shared so much with them, like heartsick moments, secrets no one else knows, the depths of our insecurities, 
And instead of getting like this sense of judgment, this mirror of judgment back on us, they actually embrace us. They appreciate us. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? We all know what that feels like. It's always hard to imagine something coming between a friendship, but even strong relationships crack sometimes, and it's devastating. And why does it hurt so acutely when we split up with a close friend? Well, because it makes, ex- it makes us question ourselves, I think. Sadness and anger are likely two of the emotions that are being brewed simultaneously within us when we lose that split with a close friend. But there's probably fear, confusion, guilt, feeling undermined, feeling betrayed, confused, like, did I know this person as well as I thought? Maybe I just misjudged their character. And then uh, if, if we're the ones that caused that problem, like we're probably self-criticizing ourselves into a grave. So why does it hurt so acutely when we split with a close friend? Because it makes us question ourselves, yeah? We're think like it's like we're grieving a part of us we think we can't be without. But truthfully, it's not the case. We will continue to love and we'll continue to thrive, even in the absence of this person. Even if they left an indelible mark on us. It might take time. But we're gonna grow and see that no one in the world has a power to define us. Because we're strong and we're dynamic and we're divine, even if it doesn't feel like it in the moment. And when our physiological immune system is strong, we're comfortable with who we are. We're actually better equipped to weather the challenges that come up in friendships, such as growing apart, such as getting let down. Yeah, we can't control anyone besides ourselves, and it's narcissistic to believe otherwise, isn't it? If you feel like a friend's wrong, you might choose to think on it instead of immediately reacting in anger while anger might seem like the appropriate response at the time ultimately it may cause irreparable damage to the friendship i've been there i've done it i've screwed it up i've left scars on friends and people that i care about okay so let's talk about a couple common causes of a friendship breakup and then we'll close this thing out because it's getting sad for me the irreparable wrong like epic arguments, massive blowout disagreements can dissolve a friendship. Major breaches of trust, repeated breaches of trust. The most agrarious, like hooking up with a friend's boyfriend, huge disappointments, bailing on a friend's nuptials when you're in the wedding party, that'll destroy a close-knit bond. But it doesn't even have to be something really huge. Like somebody might just explode when they're fed up with canceling plans again and again and again. You know, little cracks in the soul. But enough of them. Yeah. That's one reason friendships break up. There's the drifting method. You know, it's not always enormous wrongs that cause irreparable ruptures in a relationship or a friendship. The most common reason friends break up is that they simply drift apart because one or both friends don't have enough interest or energy to keep the friendship together. Maybe one needs to be more self-involved, have less of a need or companionship, have less time for friends. The rhythm, the waves, like the, the wave mick rhythm of life just throws you off and it's too hard to try to keep mending it. 
Yeah, that'll end things. There's life changes. Like shifting from one phase of life to another can really impact a friendship. Going from college to adulthood, that'll drive a wedge between friends. Maybe location, one friend might move far away, lose touch. You might get absorbed by a new career or a different relationship, a romantic relationship. Becoming a parent, that eats up time that you could have spent devoting to one another, yeah. So life changes. And we don't get to control what's happening in our life as much as we think we do. Life's going to throw us wrenches, and it will end things that we want to keep sacred. And even great friendships will fall apart. What about the communication gap? Differences in communication styles, which often become more apparent as we grow up. That's why people break up sometimes. Sometimes you have a friend that might be too smothering, too overwhelming with text messages or calls or emails. Like None of us likes being suffocated. So if the smother doesn't relent, the overwhelmed friend ends up pulling back or cuts off correspondence entirely. They just want some breathing room. Friendships are voluntary relationships that have to be reciprocal because if one person wants more of a relationship than the other, it rarely works. The end of a relationship um, honestly can be a call to examine what types of people you're just not compatible with, what you might be doing that upsets others, what kind of company you're attracting, and if you want things to remain that way. And if you're finding this across numerous relationships over time, maybe it's time to dig down a little deeper to find out what role you've played in these relationships. And no friendship begins with a hope that it's going to end because we put time, compassion, energy, all these things without the suspicion that our efforts could ultimately be ruined or futile. And then as our bond develops with this other person or these other people, like we start getting boosts in confidence and happiness and coping. We might receive compassion our, and self-worth might be improved, experiencing the sense of belonging. And as we age, these quality friendships may account more for our happiness than even family ties. But friendships are not always forever. So the most significant thing we need to do is to normalize the fact that sometimes friendships do end and that can actually be healthy. However, we've rarely been taught to carry this expectation into our friendships and into our friend relationships. And we know they take work, right? Like any relationship, sometimes they aren't meant to be, and even if they are, maintaining them takes work. There's no relationship that just keeps cruising off of the gas pedal being hit 35 years ago. And so, um, yeah, I think this was freeing for me. Because I do grieve the loss of friendships quite a bit. I mean, I spend, I spend a good amount of each day thinking about it, actually, still. And um, I think that, you know, worry is constantly focused on the future. Regret is constantly focused on the past. And my hope, I just, because I'm a relational person, I want to see these things restored. And sometimes you just got to come to the realization that people move on. And people are desperate for their tribe. People are desperate to feel like they're they're welcome, 
that they belong. And sometimes that takes the precedent. And sometimes good people get left out and forgotten about in the meanwhile, like in the meantime. And so um, if I was just going to encourage you here in this episode, I would just say like, yeah, spend some time maybe thanking the universe for the friendships that have come and gone. Less time grieving on the ones that are you're still holding too tightly. Like, cause I think, I think with both sets of those friendships I talked about at the beginning, I think they've moved on and I think they're okay with it. And I don't think there's much thought put into how someone like me might feel or my wife might feel or what that, what that experience communicated from them. I don't think they were intentionally trying to hurt us. I think it's just people are, lonely and people are insecure and they're trying to find the tribe that affirms them a season of life that helps you know kids similar ages those sort of things that like make it easier and uh and so yeah maybe tonight sit around this weekend sit around think about think about those friendships be grateful for the times that you had with them and then grieve the loss Grieve the hole that is in your heart when you think about them. Because it's there. And it might never go away. But at least processing that grief is something that will be beneficial in the long run, I think. Alright guys, that's it for me today. A little bit darker of an episode. But um, just want to get that off my chest. So... We'll do it again real soon. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Heath in Pursuit podcast. We look forward to being back with you next week. For more information on the various works of Heath Hollandsby, please visit heathinpursuit.com.